Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast that puts members on the mic for thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. In this episode, Sean Corvo, Workplace Strategy Leader of Fordland, and Don Ricker, Senior Associate, Gensler, discuss Making the Maker's Space, the future of the engineering workplace. Good afternoon. Making the Makerspace, the future of engineering workplace. My name is Steve Black. I'm from Mohawk Group. We have Sean Corvo, Workplace Strategy Supervisor at Fordland, and Don Ricker, Director of Strategy for Gensler. Gentlemen. Thanks for the introduction. Guys, let me know if you can hear me okay. I just want to make sure this is uh, mic'd on okay. So um, Sean and I have had the opportunity to work together for the last couple of years, um, about two and a half years now working with Ford, and in that time trying to get a good handle and an understanding on what the future of their organization is looking to do with their engineers. Uh, everything about mobility, autonomous vehicles, electronic vehicles, is all codependent on what engineers do next. And so it's so incredibly important to our future to make sure that we get that space right for those makers of our future. So um, with that, um, <clears throat> we were on a, a journey of discovery for a period of time to better understand um, how is it that the students and the people that are learning a certain way graduate and work into a, come into a work environment and are in what we'll call a typical workplace um, environment. High panels, overhead storage, desking, and all of the things they need, all those parts and pieces and components are stacked up um, and they have to work in this environment. So when we ask the question, if their job is to develop for the future, how can we make the workplace of the future work for them? So sounds like a simple problem to solve. Um, the challenge is, is uh, figuring out what are the things that we need to be planning for. So uh, with that, um, there's this term out there called makerspace, right? And a lot of the ideas around makerspace today is that it's a destination. It's a really special place where you go to be innovative. It's a place where you go to be creative. It's a place where you can go and tinker and be and have the opportunity to um, take those things away and bring it back to the workplace. Um, what we're seeing is that that idea of space is supposed to be embedded in the work environment. It's not about a special place. It's about every place. And so that's really the platform that we've been working with. Um, Gensler's done a variety of different projects across the years. We've been tracking this trend about how technology has influenced this ability to bring that makerspace into the typical work environment. Um, it's not that hard types of labs where you'll see heavy testing or, or um, uh, combustible type um, environments. That those aren't going away, but rather we're seeing this merger of technology allowing space to be more flexible. And with that, we're starting to see space balance out. So you've got workspace, call it typical desking. You've got labs integrating with that typical desking. And you're still going to have a lot of that lab support. But at the end of the day, what we're doing is supporting teams, teams of teams who are developing the next generation of ideas for autonomous vehicles, electronic vehicles. Um, so what's happening in that, that space? Um, we did a little bit of research, um, again, understanding what some of the drivers are and the features that you might find in there. And again, on the right, you're going to see, I guess, uh, my, your left, my right, uh, you're going to see this uh, typical work environment. You're going to see those flexible workspaces with Wi-Fi. You're going to see that collaborative. But then you've got to handle virtual testing. You've also got to handle parts and components. So we've got to make physical things and virtual things work together in collaborative environments. And we're seeing this across a variety of different industries. So it's not just automotive, but in the higher education world, um, in the world of transportation, and in the world of technology, uh, this idea around lab-enabled space or embedded environments is becoming the norm. 
Uh, this is a case study from Boeing. Uh, one, of Boeing's, one of Boeing's big uh, statements was uh, bringing everybody together under one roof so they can experience product. So we've got a corporate headquarters mixed with um, this idea of a, uh, how to build a plane. Um, and the, the types of things that you'll have there. Uh, looking at MIT, this idea that flexible environments um, are a way for uh, students to cross-pollinate. And again, it's this idea that we have to bring that information back into the workplace because we've been keeping it separate for too long. And how those spaces also embody these ideas of these features. Um, we also have to think about software and software technology. So we're looking at Motorola. And one of the things Motorola did was created a variety of different testing chambers as part of the typical work environment. So now you take this idea of education, you take this idea of transportation, parts and pieces, and we start to bring it together into this idea of uh, working with Ford. And so Sean's going to tell us a little bit about the process and some of the things that we did with them over the course of the last couple of years. Yeah, thank you, Don. Um, so actually, one of the first slides there is probably the best representation of what Ford is dealing with, where you're coming from the higher ed, and you're going to that typical cubicle with just parts and pieces. So that is exactly how an engineer will take what they have and make it work. And that is why Ford is trying to make it better and be more user-centric, uh, make sure that those things, everything Don just outlined from the case studies that, that Ford is learning from. So what we did, uh, we went through a couple different steps. We did do um, your typical uh, surveys, focus groups, uh, and then the key here was our observations. So actually doing a day in the life of an engineer and truly understanding how are they making that cubicle work uh, and how are they, how are they using the, the parts and the pieces and the tools in their daily lives uh, with the spaces that we're providing them. And, and again, referencing that photo, not nearly as efficient as it could be knowing what we can do with space. Uh, so the, the um, left there is just a diagram of, of basically that concept of how, yes, we know they have um, desking, they have their emails, but they have these parts. They have part reviews, um, they have part sign-off, and all these things and objects that come and go from the workplace, and how does that actually transform uh, a maker space and workplace all into one. So on the next slide, uh, this is just a nice little graphic to, to let you know the, the scale of things that Ford is dealing with. Pretty obvious when you just think about it, but when you start to break things down, we have some pretty large parts and pieces that we have to accommodate in and around that workstation so those, those team members can just flow throughout their day and not worry about putting in a work order to have someone come move massive parts and pieces around through our large facilities. Well, this, I was just going to add, this is one yeah. of the biggest challenges we had was thinking about this idea of taking a car hood or a windshield and bringing it into the workspace, right? That's not, the, that's not a desktop, right? That's not a pad of paper. That's not a pen. That's not just a piece of technology, but rather we've got the scale of items that we have to plan for. Yeah, so this, this is a great slide that basically captures the essence of everything that... Acrobat reader, everyone. <laughs> uh, so what can actually happen at your desk, in a meeting space, in a neighborhood, and then across a work floor. So all those things working together. And I don't want to dive into too many details here because we have this nice video that's going to demonstrate how they're going to use these spaces collectively instead of walking to your workstation, firing off an email, walking to your lab with your parts, going back and forth. And again, the, the video is going to do some things, and uh, we want to make sure we have some time at the end for Q&A. So if we want to jump to the, um, yep. the video. I'll jump piloting, to the video. Yep, yep. That would be good. While he's pulling this up, this is uh, this is a live pilot that we are currently still going through at Ford. So. 
And just as this is rolling, um, you know, it's not just about furniture, right? It's not just about those parts and pieces, but it's about a whole experience. And that was one of the, the other challenges is thinking about how engineers can be mobile, how they can move throughout the environment. And it's outside of the desk, how a space like this can help support them, at least from the minute they walk in to those coffee breaks and those other places and spaces for them to interact with one another. And who doesn't love a good uh, backbeat to a video, right? And again, it's this idea of bringing uh, those elements of the lab or the workshop into the work environment and letting that just be okay. Architects and designers love it when everything lines up and it's all on a 90 degree and we've got this perfect little space. Engineers are messy, so the space has to support this messy creative idea uh, and design thinking that has to happen. Here's that notion of bringing those parts right into the space. You can see it's just a couple steps away from that workstation, having the shelving for all those things that would have been kept in a basement prior to uh, delivering this space to them. Um, and it, as you can see just from some of the images here, the team that we're testing this with is a seating team. And the seating team is not dealing just with a front seat, but a back seat. And they're also talking about seats with the electronics and the ergonomics and the comfortable nature. Uh, when you start thinking about autonomous vehicles from some of the other topics today, um, how is it that those seats act like a recliner? How do they start to have um, a variety of different pieces of technology inside them? All that's happening in this space. So it's not just about a physical object, but it's all the electronics behind it, too. And again, this starts to look pretty, I'll call it pretty typical in that you've got your meeting rooms with your marker boards, right? You've got your desks and your spaces and places to, um, to create or to sit and to think. But um, one of the ideas of bringing that maker environment in was making sure that we had it accessible and that it was a quick reach. So again, this is, a, this is a pilot, so we're still testing a lot of these uh, concepts, trying to figure out what's right. Um, this particular team, we talked about laser cutters, 3D printers, other things that they would need in order to do their jobs. But um, this space is designed to change over time. So an electronics group might move in and need a different kind of maker environment. Um, we might have a body, a body group who can bring the chassis or the pad or the a physical prototype of a vehicle into this space, and so it's designed to handle all of these different uh, different ways of thinking. So that is what we've provided for you today. Um, again, we're trying to look to the future for Ford, and we're working with Ford Land to create something that is not just in Dearborn, Michigan, but that it is scalable, that it's global, and so everything you're seeing here is meant to be replicated. Um, I'm going to let Sean kind of help us with a wrap-up and explain anything else that's going on in Ford. But otherwise, uh, we are open to questions. We've got a few minutes left. Yeah, just a couple closing comments to echo what Don just said. It, it truly is about global scalability and making sure it's flexible. So that video, I think, does an incredible job capturing uh, all that flexibility. It doesn't have to be the seating group. It can be an electronics group. It can be the, the group with hoods. Um, 
And personally, with walking through the space and being with these individuals on a day-to-day -day basis and understanding that it is working and watching them collaborate, and they're not reserving a 20-person conference room to go have a 30-minute meeting with half their team or something, they're, they're right there with each other. The co-location is obviously a big part, but bringing the tools and everything around it has just been such a success for this, um, you know, this group, and, and we really are trying to scale that out uh, in a lot of our new facilities. So it's been a good experience. Question? Yep. The machinery. So it's everything in this space is all kind of like I'll call it the uh, the light tech. You know, so it's a small solder. We still have our lab spaces or our workshops that support, which are trained technicians, and those all go through kind of an ordering system. Uh, but those are just right down the hall. Uh, but so anything that's like you know bandsaws, things of that nature, would not be right here with these individuals. But it's the small things that they're doing on their workstation today that we brought more appropriate spaces to them. Uh, just to add to that, the concept of machinery, when we were looking at what would go in the physical maker space for this particular group, and they talked about the equipment that was important to them, um, other conversations around mini robotics, so tabletop robotics and um, not necessarily welding machines, but other things that can, that can cut or make. Um, noise control is a huge concern. So right now you're seeing that with, a, I'll call it an open environment. It's designed to also have the ability to be closed off. So it's flexible as a footprint, and it can do a lot of different things. Anyone else? Yes, in the back. So I think the question was, uh, with this type of a space, how are we achieving a, a replicable square footage per person? Scale it. Got it. Oh, the before and after. Um, so I, I can tell you right now we're at 150 square foot per person. Um, just in the work environment, the physical space itself. The before number, good question. I think we were around 215 square feet per person, and it mostly had to do with desk size that was changed. Do you know yeah, another? Yeah, is, is that around 215? Yeah. A little closer to 220, but we're okay, pretty yeah. much there, yeah? Yes. Sure. The question is, um, how are we gathering feedback, and is there units of measurement or metrics? And I know you've been having conversations about that. Yeah, so so far, uh, great question. Uh, so we've, we've been having open dialogues, especially with the managers who are in charge of setting up reviews and everything with leadership. And the idea of them walking into the space to have the review right at the desk, that their lives have become a lot more frictionless than, than it was before. Uh, so I wouldn't say that's an actual metric, but their, their uh, ease into the workplace and getting things accomplished has, has gone up speed-wise. Yep. Um, you mentioned there is sensors in the space and that we're yes. going to be, I know we just hit a 90-day mark as a move-in, so we're going to be pulling the sensors. Yeah, sensors, sensors have just yeah. been put in, so I have no metric data on that. Um, yes. I think they've only been running for about a week and a half oh, the, for the, the sensors. And then we have uh, we do have a survey going out, which we did a pre we did a pre occupancy survey that had a uh, score to it. So the Gensler WPI survey was done in advance, and then we're going to be doing a comparable score afterward with the exact same test group. <laughs> okay. 
the, qu well, I, the question was who's building the use case for this? I'll let you. Yeah, we well, can tag It has been facilities. So I, I am with Ford Land on the facilities side and operations side to make sure all the facilities are operating. And with our new campus transformations, we've been trying to improve that. Uh, so we've been doing a lot of um, focus groups with, with our partners like Gensler. Um, and we've built the, the, the business case or use case to sell it to them. Um, basically, they, they listened to us, and they gave us this opportunity to, to try it out. Yep. I, I, I was just going to add yeah. to that real quick. Um, we did a series of focus groups to understand the users, and so it was through that we kind of co-designed or co-created some of the rooms or the places that would be special or unique. So there was a lot of um, engagement to create buy-in. When they moved in then, of course, it was, hey, did we listen? And the answer was yes. Now it's the struggle of it's too open, it's too closed, it's this, it's that. But So those are nuances and policies. So it was a, a truly an engagement. There's one and last one, question. and I we're will add just one more thing. You, you sparked one thing there, Don. Go ahead. Uh, Thanks, the, everybody. The, the, Sorry we're running yeah, over. The, the biggest selling factor is that I did bring in the engineering group to sell it with me to my leadership. So that, that I just wanted to add. Go ahead. Uh, in, this, in this environment, how do you deal with paper plants? Not at all. I mean, everything goes on the screen. Are there any walls packed amongst you? Or yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lots paper, of tackable surfaces. Uh, magnetic marker board. So we're doing yep. magnets with metal and glass. Yep. Okay. So that's all the time we have. We're happy to stick around and answer more questions. Thank you guys very much for all of your time yes, thank you and guys. great questions. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in to What's Next. Have an idea or a point of view? Want to record a podcast of your own? Visit cornetglobal.org forward slash podcast.